Well, hey, everybody. How's everybody doing today so far? You guys doing all right? All right. So, yeah, it's bittersweet. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we have loved our time here at Grace Life. Uh, and, and, you know, we try to think about this weekend and this whole week, as we know this moment's coming up, you know, you're trying to think about, like, what to say to everybody right now. You know, of course, on the staff side, but then the entire church family side. And I remember when we first came, my wife and I, actually, the very first time we were here at Grace Life, uh, here preaching, was together. Uh, it was a few years ago. We came and we helped out and was a part of a marriage series, and we kind of shared a little bit of our marriage story. If you guys were here, then everyone remembers the fork right. that, uh, you know, yeah, if you laugh, then you've probably heard that. If not, then you can go back and, you know, understand why anybody else would laugh about a fork being stabbed into my hand. It was so horrible. <laughs> Scars will cry tears He's right fine. now if I He's think about fine. it. She didn't know I was going to say that right now. That was not part of the note, so I'm probably <laughs> throwing her off, but... You know, when we were there, the thing that, one of the things that stood out to us the most is, uh, I don't know if you guys know Nate Kearns, one of Jimmy's sons, uh, he was out in the parking lot setting up. And if you, don't, if you don't know that, Nate, his son, like basically sets up the entire parking lot for us every single service forever, for every service, every, if you don't, I'm just going to shout out to Nate, he's awesome. He's great. Nate, if he's you're so here, great. he deserves a hand. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he's going to run this church probably for the rest of his life, I'm just telling you. But I just want you to know that when I saw him out there uh, serving and I pulled in, one of the most important things to us is, is our entire family going to be able to have a place to serve in the church that we're going to be a part of. And when I saw Nate out there and I saw the rest of the children that serve here, the, the families that serve here at Grace Life Church, I said, I know that we can be here because our family can be a part here. Uh, my wife and I, we have six children, three boys, three girls. And so, of course, it's so important for us that we have that environment that we can bring our family into. And we found that here at Grace Life. Not just that, but we found a great church family. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Jimmy and both his wife Ramona too and of course Pastor Kent and the entire staff. I've had such a great opportunity to work with all of you guys. We just want to say thank you so much. We just, we just have loved being here. Yeah, no, I just want to second that. It has been our honor and our privilege to serve alongside of each and every one of you as um, Grace Life advances God's kingdom here in Columbia and the surrounding areas. What an honor. I mean, what an honor. You guys are forever our kingdom family. And as we are excited about the next steps, about continuing and advancing God's kingdom in other places, we are sad. It's bittersweet to leave. Usually when God calls you to something, you often have to let go and leave something else. Um, but his leading is never wrong. And so we're excited for what he has for us, but it's always, it's always bittersweet, but we, um, it's just our, it's been our honor and our privilege to serve with you guys here. Yeah. Amen. So when, when we were talking about how this is going to be my last Sunday, Pastor Jimmy was like, all right, well, you go ahead and preach your last Sunday and you can preach on anything you want to. And I was like, oh my gosh, what, is that? Like, what am I going to preach on? You know? So I'm thinking about it and I'm praying about it. And, and just this whole idea keeps coming back to me again and again and again. And I think the number one thing that people have asked us about uh, while we've been here at Grace Life is just our family, kind of how we operate in our marriage, kind of how we operate with our children, how we operate just with our perspective on life. And so really what I want to do is I want to start off by showing you a picture and telling you a story. So there's a picture now you can check out. And you see this, this building here. This is in Shanghai. And this was back in 2009. And that's a, an apartment building that's tipped over completely on its side. And if you can tell, that apartment building is actually constructed very, very well because for the most part, it is completely intact, although it is on its side. And in June 27th, 2009, residents of Shanghai, China, awoke to the shock that that 13-story building, 629 units, was completely on its side. It was flat. 
It was more than a dozen. There was more than just a dozen just like it, and that's the only one that fell over. And uh, what, what an interesting scenario. Now, fortunately, it was unoccupied at the time, and only one construction worker was killed in the process of this amazing destruction as it falls over. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that picture, the question that comes to my mind is how could something like this happen? How is it possible that a fully constructed building, I mean, that probably took years to build, or at least a year, year and a half to build that building, and you see it's very, very well constructed. How in the world could that building fall over after construction just the way that it was? Well, the simple answer is this, it had a bad foundation. Yeah. It had a bad foundation. And, and if you could look at some of their pictures, I don't have time to show you all, but even the apartments inside was like completely constructed. Like nothing, nothing changed when it tipped over. It looked like from the outside that everything was going to be just fine. The verse in, there's a verse in Psalms I wanna share with you. It's, it's chapter 11, verse three. It says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I don't know if you're like me, but for me, when I hear that verse, it's like a challenge. I'm like, well, I can fix it. I can do something. There's gotta be something that can be done. But the reality is, is that that verse, that statement from the psalmist is a, is a statement of despair, of futility. Basically, it's saying when the, right, when the foundations are destroyed, there's nothing that the righteous can do because it's too late. Because everything that you thought you built your life on if the foundation isn't good, when your life tips over, there's nothing you can do except to start all the way back and to build from ground zero, from square one. And so what we wanna do today is we just wanna share with you guys a couple ideas that we've been able to implement in our family and in our lives to be able to help us build a good foundation, which of course is the rock of Jesus. And what happens is, is that people want to collect ideas from all around the world and just kind of shove them into the ground and hope that they've built themselves a good foundation. And you might find yourself some good books to read and maybe some blogs or some articles or you might even find some good things on social media. But the truth is, if it's not founded on God's word, those things may or may not work. So I wanna challenge you today that the best way to build your life on something that's going to be secure, of course, is going to be on the teachings of Jesus and of course on the Bible itself. And I'm not the first person to say this. Of course, we just read that in the book of Psalms, but also in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, this is Jesus speaking here. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's, he's gotten up and he's shared this amazing testimony, this amazing story and all these teachings kind of summing up a lot of the things that were in the Old Testament. And at the very end of that sermon, this is what he says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. So what's the storm? Well, it's, it's those things in life that come, right? It's that phone call that we weren't expecting. It's the loss of a job. It's the, the sickness that we weren't expecting, maybe a loss of a child. There's all these things that come in life that we're not expecting, but when we build our lives on the rock, the storm or the house does not fall. But, there's a contrast here, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
just like that building that we just saw. Yeah, you know, nothing you will learn here or any place else will work and produce lasting fruit because we want lasting fruit, right? If it isn't built on a biblical foundation, God wrote the manual on human beings. He wrote the manual on you and I and on our children and on everyone that we interact with and have relationship with. He knows us because he created us. He fashioned us together. He gave us kids and he calls them blessings, which I have to remind myself sometimes because sometimes if I'm being honest, I have to go back to scripture and be like, it says that in here, right? Um, they're blessings, they are, you all are blessings, I love you. But if we want the results that he intended us to have, we have to build these young lives, our lives as well, on the foundation of his construction. Let's look in Isaiah, it's, it's chapter 55, verse eight through 11. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I love that last part of, the, of those verses. It is so full of promise. God's saying, listen, if I speak it, it's not coming back to me void. It's yeah. not coming back to me empty. Yeah. If I said it, it's gonna happen. I promise that. And so as he lays out in scripture the ways that in which we should live, the ways in which we should have relationship with one another, the ways in which we should have a family and raise our children, he's saying, look, I'm not giving you a good suggestion so that you can throw it at the wall and see what sticks. He's saying, no, if I said it, it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Lonnie and I decided a long time ago that God's ways worked and we would work the plan from scripture. That's what we decided. Regardless of what we see, regardless of what new ideas come, especially in the areas of our marriage and our family, we were going to work the plan from scripture because scripture gives us so many great ideas and so many great teachings and, and direction on how it is that we're supposed to lead and guide our family. And I remember when we used to teach these kinds of things when we were you know, just starting out with our family and our children were young and they say, well, you just wait until your children are 20 years old and then you'll see if those biblical ideas are good ideas or not. And I remember saying the same thing that I say now is that you just wait till my children are 20 years old because they're gonna be world changers. Yeah. They're gonna advance the kingdom and they're gonna take over the planet for Jesus because his ways work and his word does not return void. Right. See, he's got some amazing things that he's spoken into his word for you and your family and your relationships. And I promise you, if you build your house on that foundation, his word will not return void. And so what we want to do today is we wanna give you four aspects of a good foundation. Four aspects of a good foundation. And the reality is we have quite a few that we've built our lives on. So these are just four, they're not exhaustive, meaning that there's, there's more that you could add to this list, of course. But these are the four that we feel like are the most important. As we looked over, we're kinda, we're very strategic in the way that we lead our family. And so we have a lot of things written down and we have like, you know, this list and that list and we have these values and all these things that we live by. So I'm like, honey, you know, what I really wanna do is I wanna leave our church family with at least our top four things. Oh, moving the Whoa. table around. These top four things that we, we just feel like are the most important. So my wife picked her top two and I picked my top two and we wanna share those with you guys today. It was hard. It was hard narrowing them down, I yeah. have to say. But the first one that, I went with was watch your mouth. 
right? Watch your mouth. The tongue has the power of life and death. And if I'm being honest, I have to, I have to watch my mouth. Is that why you pick, is this why it's your number one? No, no, it's not. It's just a good one. It's a I good didn't one. pick these. It's Remember, a good one that, for that whole all thing. Of us. I knew what was coming next, so that whole thing was just she picked this herself. So I picked it. I thought it was a good one. No, I do need it. I, I need it, and you need it too. Don't. Yeah, even. I was going to say maybe it's for me. I knew. I knew that was coming. Don't yeah. even lie. I, uh, I just set that up for you. I was waiting to see uh -huh. if you'd you reciprocate the. Yeah. All right. Well, you pushed and you got it. All right. So. Oh, watch don't get us your, going. We, yeah, don't get us we going. might preach another we'll sermon. We'll be here forever. <laughs> All right, watch your mouth. The tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs tells us this, 1821. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'll tell you what, I never really took this into consideration as much as when I had young ones because they're so impressionable. And the things that we say to them and over them make such a difference yeah. in their lives. And really... It translates to all relationships. What we speak into people's lives, what we speak over people's lives, it makes a difference. God knew this. He, that's why he put it in there. Yeah. For those of us who really need to remind ourselves about this daily, um, he's put it in there. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can bless or you can curse. Those are our choices. And every day when we approach relationships, when we approach our coworkers or a person on the street, our children, our spouse, we get to have that choice. Are we gonna build them up or are we going to tear them down? Yeah. And people, if we're, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're drawn to people who are positive, oh, yeah. that who are life-giving, who speak life over us and to us. We're drawn to those kind of people. That's, why I, of people. that's why I love you so much. Oh, that it's must be amazing. it. <laughs> this guy. Trying, trying to get my this way back. Guy. Trying to get my way back a little this bit. This guy. So. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're drawn to people like that. I still got it. He yeah, <laughs> still got right. it. That's all right. You're great. So... Um, yes, so we can build or destroy. You know, I did, I have, I read somewhere, I think I read somewhere, maybe I'm making this up, I don't think I'm making this up, but there was a plant study done. I love plants, I kill all the plants, but I love them, I love them. And so I, I still do this, even if it actually wasn't a proven study. But they did this study where, you know, they had the two plants and then somebody spoke life over the one plant and then cursed the other plant. And they saw that the one that they were speaking, yes, it's true. And they no. saw that the one they were speaking life over the plant actually th was thriving and flourishing. I speak over my plants and the couple that I have are still living. I'm that, just saying that I tried like it. That sounds like a bunch of hooey to and me. I'm just it's telling fine. you, like, I'm like, That's what? fine. I didn't actually research this before the sermon because I forgot and that's not my strong suit, but that's okay. Um, but I know, I hear some people laughing that really know me. Um, but anyway, it matters. How much more does it matter when we're speaking over human life? Absolutely. Right, when we're shaping young minds, when we're caring for children, when we're shaping relationships and, and different things in, in our workplace and in our families and with the friendships, it matters. The words we speak matter. You know, Ephesians, let's, let's see it in Ephesians 4, 29 through 31. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Yeah. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And this is something that the Schultz family has to remember and keep in, in line with because we are sarcastic in nature. We are. And, yeah, we, um, we tell people we have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. 
that's it that's runs what it runs deep. It runs in deep our here. It needs to be it, so naturally it's, out. it's trickled down into <laughs> the children, and so we're trying to teach them the fine art of sarcasm without going too far. But it's something that that. This really does matter in the Schultz family. It does. So watch your mouth. That's what. That's the first one. The truth is, it really does. It makes a huge difference. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is this, and this is the top one for me, is believe more of them than they believe for themselves. Or believe for people more than they believe for themselves. Uh, the most powerful change agent in the world is not love. Now you might, yeah, she's, thank you for the effect, honey. I appreciate that. You know, I know that's what a lot of people think, and, and love is great, but the truth is, is that it's faith. Love tells you that you are accepted as you are, which we need to accept people as they are, but faith elevates your life and lifestyle to a higher level. It transforms a person into who he or she is meant to be. When you believe for someone for greater than where they are at their current stage and season of life, they can walk into what you can see that they cannot yet see. Believe for people more than they believe for themselves. If you've known me at any point here at Grace Life or if you're on staff, I hope that this is what comes out of me. I hope that if you've known me, that you, believe, that you see that I believe for you and your situation greater than you could ever possibly see for yourself. Because people need to know that other people believe for them more than they can yeah. see because we can never see how great that God's meant us to be, of course, because it starts with him and he sees for us. He sees for us more than we could ever see for ourselves. I know you know this verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's one of my favorites. It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. See, faith is believing for someone for something that they have not yet realized. Faith does not focus on what is. Faith focuses on what will be. Faith sees as a present reality the potential of a better future something better than what you're experiencing right now. It possesses that potential and it actually draws it into present reality, into one's present experience. In a world filled with negativity, people are drawn to people who believe in them more than they believe in themselves. There was an interesting study that I read, it's been a few years now, in one of my favorite books by Alan Lloyd McGinnis, it's called Bringing Out the Best in People. And he talks about this amazing study, how there was a group of teachers that was taken out from one school and a group of students that was taken out from a different school and they put them in a classroom together. They told the teachers that this group of students were the highest performing students in the entire school and they wanted to see how their grades would be assessed by the end of that current semester. But the reality was is that those students were actually the underperforming students in that school. So essentially, these students were failing, and they told these teachers that these are the kids that are getting straight A's. And at the end of the semester, all of those students that had not yet ever done well in school were all making A's by the end of the semester. You know why? Because those teachers believed that those students were the ones that were making A's. They believe for them more than they believe for themselves. Those students thought that they could never make an A, but they had a teacher that believed in them, and then their whole perspective changed. 
and that's in school, and we love teachers. How much more do you think it matters when you believe for your spouse, your spouse yeah. more than they believe for them? When you believe for your parents more than they believe for themselves? When you believe for your teacher more than they believe for themselves? When you believe for those people that are in close relationship with you more than they believe for themselves? Right. I think that's just so incredible. I think that that study, who's obviously a real study. Um, yeah, not like the plant <laughs> thing. That was just super awesome. But no, no I think that's, that's like such a, an amazing. Instagram that is feed. not. I don't know. TikTok you don't even have Instagram. Something. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> I think I do. But you do, but don't you don't use it. it. <laughs> anyway, no, I think that's incredible. So if, you know, in the lives of those around you, if you just have that simple faith yeah. factor, for others. I mean, if you're a teacher, what an amazing opportunity to experiment on your own class. I think that's fantastic. Um, but I think I love that. Yep. Number three, children live what they learn at home. They live what they learn at home. It starts with, with us, whether you know it's a single parent household or grandparents or two parents. This portion of scripture I'm about to read is probably one of the most convicting scriptures for me as a parent. Um, in the, in the entire Bible. Let's go ahead and read it. It's Deuteronomy 6, four through nine. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right here, there's, this is kind of two parts. The first part is it starts with us. If we need to be the ones modeling how to love God, how to love him with everything in us, how to, how to live life loving the Lord passionately, pursuing him in all ways, in everything, right? And then it says, you've gotta transfer this onto the next generation. You've gotta transfer this onto your children. And as a mom, I don't know if, if we have any moms in the room, I, well, I also homeschool the kids, so I feel a lot of pressure in making sure they leave my house well. There's a lot of pressure. I don't, well, one, I don't wanna make them dumber as, you know, as I'm homeschooling them, that's a big pressure. And, uh, but I want them to all do this well. I want them to love God well. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, when my kids leave my home, if they're all loving the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength, I've done my job. I've done my job. So this weighs heavily on me, not in a weird guilt way, but as a charge from the Lord to first show them myself how to love the Lord. Yes, we serve. Yes, we do many, many things for the kingdom. But they've got to see me loving the Lord with everything that I am so that they can in turn do that as they leave and go on with their own lives and families. Some of the ways here that it lays out in scripture, I'll just break down a couple really quickly. Sit at home, when it says, when you're sitting at home, that's informal times. So just to give right. some practical things, that's the informal times, that's the organic conversations that happen. So I spend a lot of my time in the kitchen. We've got eight people, and we eat a lot of food. So I'm in the kitchen constantly. And so the kids, we kind of like all hang out in the kitchen. And so they come in and as I'm cooking or cleaning, they start to just talk about, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm loving this in my life right now. And those are the, the organic conversations, the informal times where we have to speak into their lives. The next one, walk along the road. These are the teachable moments. If we can think back in our own lives at some of the pivotal moments that we've learned some things, 
we need to start capitalizing on those moments in our children. So there's gonna be a first heartbreak. There's gonna be a test that they've completely bombed. There's gonna be that game that they've lost and they're so discouraged. There's gonna be the game that they won and they're not handling being a winner well because they are rubbing it in to the other team's face. So these are the pivotal moments that we have to teach them, to teach them how to do life well. Um, at night, when you lie down, at night before bed, this time is so important not to rush through. Now, getting them in bed can be a challenge because they want 15 glasses of water and they need to brush their teeth and then they forgot to brush their teeth and then they you know, ate something and have to do it again. And we would love to spend some time together as adults, you know, watching a, a, an adult you know, show that's not a cartoon or something like that. And so bedtime can be a little hectic, but that is the time where I think every single one of them have given their hearts to Jesus yeah, in think, that moment. Yeah, I think every single one of our kids, we've had the opportunity to lead to the Lord, you know, during that bedtime time. And, and Lonnie's right. I mean, the truth is sometimes I'm like, okay, let's get these kids to bed, you know, so we can go and hang out or do whatever. And, uh, you know, and that's important. You want to have time with your spouse or, and that, and that's important, but you don't want to miss this no, time because there is, is something so unique that your, your, your children and really even all of us, when we lay down at night, it just kind of, it opens up a little bit. Sometimes you may feel like God really speaks to you during that time because we right. just, we quiet down a little right. bit. Right. And he speaks to them during that time. The next thing is, is getting up, right? This is more of the formal time, the family devotions. I've, I've got to be transparent. This is probably our weakest link, is having that structured, formal, family devotions. We do them, but because we have so many ages and stages, and we've got this kid working, and that kid's running out, and this kid's got these assignments they've got to rush to, the formal times are fewer and farther between. We're constantly yeah. striving for them, yeah. but they are fewer and farther between. Yeah. Um, the last one, tie them as symbols. That's surrounding our family with Christian influence. There is a lot of influence out there, socially, culturally. There's just a lot of voices. Yeah. And so it's okay as parents and as people to protect ourselves and our families against the wrong kind of influence. Right. And so we've got to, to be aware of what's influencing our families, what's influencing our own decisions right. as well, and those, and those of our children. And so really all of these are just touching on all the aspects of life and how to impart our love for the Lord you know, into our families. Because the most important things in life, they're often caught, not taught. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on. Number four, fourth aspect of a, of a good foundation is this. This is specifically for, for parents. Uh, we try to make them more broad. Uh, we know not everyone here is in child-rearing years, of course. We, we get that. But this one is really probably more specifically for you if you are. And it's this. Your children already have friends. Their greatest need is for parents. Your children already have friends. Their greatest need is for parents. This is probably the number one mistake that I see of people that walk in to my office and want to talk about something with parenting, uh, especially when you have teenage children. Um, because when your kids get teenagers, get to be teenage age, and we have three of them, um, that about to be four, and so it's just, it's just very easy to want to transition to being their friend. And I'm not saying you want to be their enemy. I'm not saying you don't want to be their friend, but understand that they're going to have lots of friends, but they're only going to have you as their parent. There's, there's a unique relationship that you hold with them because you are their parent given to them by God. Don't fear to use your authority. 
that God's given you. When I talk with parents, what most people feel like, and, and it's not like, oh, I'm so scared, it's not that. It's almost like you don't have the right to be a parent to your own child, maybe because of what you see or what you've been taught or what other people tell you. The reality is, is that God's given you your children and you do have the right to be their parent. In fact, it's an amazing privilege to be a child's parent. So if you have a child and you're the parent, feel okay to step into that. Authority is given to fare out and deal with rebellion that's in your kids. And not my kids, all of our kids. Even these wonderful six Schultz kids that are right there on the front row, there's rebellion inside of them. And, and when I use my authority, it, it brings it out. They don't like it. <laughs> You've probably seen, and that's okay because it's in all of us. I'm not picking on their kids. It's in every single one of us, my, my wife and I included. You've probably seen that at Walmart. When a parent tells a little kid no and they put the toy back and the kid goes, ah! You think, oh man, what a bad parent. No, the parent's <laughs> doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. It's the kid, rebellion's coming out, the sin nature's coming out, and what happens? The always parent gets to, always at Walmart. Always yeah, I always pick Walmart. on Walmart. Uh, we shop at Walmart, we just pick at Walmart. And so, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just what happens. But that's, that's okay, because that's what God has given you, that ability to use that authority as a parent, so that way you get to coach and mold, mold and kind of correct that situation. When authority is exercised, it will cause hidden rebellion to rise to the surface. Sometimes as parents, we know that, and that's why we choose not to do it, because we don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> we know if we walk in the room and we're like, hey, time to put your phone up, what's going to happen? It's not going to be good. And we think, I don't want to deal with that. Listen, God's given you that special place in your kid's life to help them work through those things. Remember those things my wife just said, those informal times. Create opportunities while being a parent to be able to have those informal times to be able to speak into your children's life. It's such a great opportunity to be able to do it. And it's scriptural. Look at Romans 13. I'll just read it and I think it'll just speak to us, kind of let this wash over us a little bit. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, parents and kids too, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. It's clear, we know. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. Speaking of authority in general, he's been given authority. For he is God's servant to do you good, uh, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. You might read that bottom part there, and you're like, man, that sounds scary. Is that really? Listen, all this verse is saying is that you've been given the gift of authority to be able to parent your kids, and he's not gonna leave you hanging. That's what God's saying here. He's gonna, he's gonna back your play. Authority is the number one principle in the universe. Learning how to operate in it and under it and in life and our relationship with God begins in the home. Do not be afraid to be a parent. Exercise with love and patience the authority that God has given you. The reality is, is if we want our children to know how to relate to God as their authority, that starts with how they relate to you as their authority, because they're gonna transfer that into their life. 
So I just want to encourage you. God's given you an amazing opportunity to be some of the most, maybe the most important person in your child's life, hopefully. That's right. And though God has given us, you know, our children, our families, the relationships that we have in our lives, we can't succeed in those unless we invite him into the process. Yeah. We've got to remember to invite the Holy Spirit into the process. We've got to invite God in to help us parent, help us be a friend, help us be a spouse. Um, he, again, right, going back to the beginning, He created us, He knows us the best. And without His help, it's gonna be more difficult. Yeah. So we must invite Him into the process. We've gotta pray. We've got to pray for our loved ones. We've got to pray for our children. We've got to pray for those that are closest to us. God needs to hear their names on our lips every day. Yeah. Every day he's gotta hear their names on our lips. We've gotta pray specifically for them. We need his help. I need his help. Yeah. I need his help to be a good wife to this guy. I need his help to be a good mom to the kids that are sitting over there. We all need that. We need to pray and we need to invite him in. There's a prayer that I specifically pray. I just kind of toss up there and God knows when I'm, I'm saying it that I really do need his help. And that is, Lord, please reach the parts that I can't. There are gonna be parts of my children's hearts that I can't reach. There are parts of all of our hearts that only he can reach. He created that in us. Those spots are for him. And the same with our children, the same with the relationships around us. God, reach the parts that I can't reach. We need him in this process. Yeah, and you may have children that are, you know, they don't know God or maybe are far from God. And I just wanna encourage you to continue to pray for those children that you have. I think that children that don't know the Lord are drawn to and admire parents who continually pray for them. And they're uniquely open to their parents because they do that. Easily the most powerful parenting is done from our knees before God in prayer. It is the number one thing that you can do for your children because the reality is, is that they are going to experience a world of, of things out there that we cannot control. It is not about control at all. It's much more about trusting in God and praying that he's gonna be with them every step of the way, regardless of what we see them go through. And so today what we would like to do just as we close is just to pray for you and of course pray for a group of people that might not know Jesus as their king and maybe you haven't made him your savior yet and that'll be a prayer in just a minute. But now if you just bow your heads, we just love to pray for you and bless you is just kind of the last thing we do here at Grace Life. Father, we just thank you, Lord for this amazing church, for our amazing church family. God, we pray that you would be with them. God, we pray that you would work in their relationships. We pray that you would work in their families, Lord. We know that family is the cornerstone of what you've created here, Lord. We know that it is so important, Lord. We pray that you would connect relationships. You would bring forgiveness in relationships that need restoration, that you would just continue to move in your people, Father not just in moms and dads and husbands and wives, but in all relationships, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you'd be with them. We pray that you'd bless them. God, we pray that you would speak to us as your people. Lord, we pray that you, we know that you don't leave us hanging, so we just invite you, Lord, into our lives and into the processes that we have every day that we go through. 
And you might be here, and I said this in just a minute, you can just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, but maybe you're here and you heard that verse that my wife read about his word not returning void. Um, if you wanna make that connection with God to connect with him, to make him your king, I'm gonna say a prayer in just a minute. And all I'm gonna ask you to do is just to say it back under your breath, just to you, just repeat it in your mind right now. Um, and you can pray something just like this. You can say, dear God, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. I put my hope in you. Help me to live a better life. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me and I put my trust and my faith and my hope in the blood that he spilled. Father, help me to be a new person and help me to live a life of great meaning filled with your destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision.